your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Friday, December 30th. On today's show, it's part two of our predictions, looking for who will be the top 10 Americans to end the 2023 season. Of course, if you missed part one of this podcast, just scroll down on your mini break podcast feed. You'll be able to listen to who myself and Ben Rothenberg think will be the top 10 American women to end the 2023 season. You'll also get to hear some preliminary thoughts on this inaugural United Cup happening right now in Australia. That said, we predicted the top 10 American women. It's time to predict the top 10 American men. And joining me on the podcast once again to do just that is again a writer you know best from his work for the New York Times, his work for Racket Magazine. Of course, we agreed on the last podcast. He's not a tennis Twitter felon but certainly has committed a few petty crimes in his day on tennis Twitter. It's our dear friend, Ben Rothenberg. Ben, welcome back, my friend. It's been a few hours. You rested, recuperated, ready for part two? Well, again, just still being convicted by judge, jury, and executioner <laughs> over there. Uh, happy to be here. You know, I've been charged. I don't think I've been I, – I will put up a – I don't even say a strong defense. I'm sure the, the punishments are pretty light. Probably just people be annoyed at me on Reddit. Hi, Alex. I'm doing fine. Thanks for having me here. I was just watching a lovely match uh, uh, before recording this between Francis Tiafo and uh, what's his name? Uh, okay, so you want me to get in trouble here because he pronounced it Thomas Machak on his website. But again, Mahach. 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 Thank you. I appreciate it. There's a personal anecdote that I have heard from that, again, Ben and I were getting into a little pre-podcast dispute. And uh, to your point, you're right. You're not a tennis. You, there may be no petty crimes, but, uh, again, certainly your biggest uh, – I suppose the penance you have to pay is that you have to come back on this show for part two. So that is yeah. actually what – yeah, that's what we're going to make you suffer through. But it is always great to have you on this show to run through our predictions. And, again, if you want to hear a recap of how I smoked Ben predicting the 2022 U.S. men, how he gave me the the business, I'll admit it, predicting the 2022 U.S. women. Go back, listen to the start of part one of this podcast. But of course, here on this show, we want to focus on predicting our top 10 American men. And I want to get right to our predictions. But before we do, I want to ask you the same question at the start of this show that I asked you before we got into our American women's predictions. And that is judging the 2022 season for American men's tennis. Now you look at the ATP rankings, there are nine top 50 Americans. It's the first time we have nine top 50 Americans since the 1990s, which is so frequently referred to as the golden era of American men's tennis, of course. How many times throughout the course of the season did you hear first time since 1996, first time since 1997, first time since Andy Roddick back in the mid-2000s? There were a lot of first times since for the American men in 2022. And so I ask you via the Ben Rothenberg standards, that barometer of success, how do you judge American men's tennis in 2022? What are you looking for from this group in 2023 as well? I think you have to call 2022 a big success because a lot of guys made meaningfully big jumps and it's the guys who we've been looking to to make those jumps, right? I mean, not the guy who, you know, not, not, not neither of our number one. I mean, you had number one as Francis. I had number one as... Court, it's not really about the predictions. Their first was number one. He held on to number one all year on the American ladder. Uh, but him making a breakthrough, winning a Masters final, beating Nadal, even if Nadal was, you know, 
not at his physically best during that match. Still a win over Nadal in a Masters final at Indian Wells. Big Masters event, too. Huge, huge win for Taylor Fritz to get the year off rolling. And even before that, actually, Fritz made the second week of a slam for the first time. That's what I said about Fritz. I was listening back to our last year's shows. I was saying Fritz's issue, where I had him at, I think, number three on the My American Ladder, was he hasn't done anything at the slams. He's really struggled with the slams. And he had good slams, mostly. Uh, he had a really, really bad loss, honestly, at the U.S. Open to, to Brandon Holt. That that's not it's tough to sugarcoat that one too much, but you know he is uh, he he played really well and got into the top ten, got an alternate spot into uh, Turin before it started for the men's World Tour finals, and that was a big win for him for U.S. tennis, and you know had these younger guys do it, and then Francis Tiafo uh, making it to a men's semifinal and getting into a fifth set, closest we've had to a men's well getting as close as Isner did at the semifinals. And when he made them in, in Wimbledon in 2018, at Wimbledon, right? right. And he, he, was, he was two games was, away for was several it hours. Was or Query? Yeah. I thought Query came pretty close as well. No, Query also made a semifinal. He yeah. he made a semifinal the year before that. Yeah. I lost to Chilich. Uh, but but he didn't come quite as close in that semifinal. Anyway, they got to a fifth set. So slight, slight you know, hair splitting there. But this is undeniable progress. And then Tommy Paul, who's the number three American, also leapt up a lot. You know, I think... You can say Corda. I think it's fair to say probably didn't. I mean, I have it number one. You have it number two. He a little bit disappointed our expectations, but overall, big year. That's even with the injury to Riley Opelka, who was one of the big standard bearers uh, of for the young men's charge, and he was sidelined for you know second half of the year or so. So this was a, a really positive year for them, and it made forward progress, right? And so for twenty twenty three, I think you have to want more. Like these are these guys who should be hitting their stride. You know, like these Taylor and Francis are in their mid twenties. They're gonna be twenty five next year. Like, they should be contending, and Francis will certainly say this, and Taylor will say this too, I'm sure. They want to be pushing further. They want to be in that slam final. They want to win a slam. Like, I'm not saying the bars win a slam. I think the bar for me would be um, just better. So let's say, you know, getting two guys in the top 10 or making a slam final or winning two or more Masters titles. You know, like, there's, like, just, like, I think you can just keep raising the bar, and I think they will respond to that and, and accept that because... These are there's this young generation of guys who are starting to hit their stride now. We've been seeing them on the radar for a long time, and Taylor, Francis, Tommy, uh, Opelka, that whole cohort of all people the same age, like they're they're ready to go. This is their moment, and then also you have lots of other people in the mix as well. Uh, but those are the sort of core guys. Um, I think it's interesting to talk about the sort of clickiness of American men's tennis. I think it's actually a real conversation we could potentially have somewhere on this show or elsewhere. Okay. This came up with the Davis Cup. This was a real. This is a real thing. If we're talking about this group as a group, um, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, interesting to see how it all play out. I'm looking at the rankings also. Sidebar: I just for the first time today saw um, when I was watching the ATP Cup, saw Dennis Kudla without his hat on, yeah, and the hair is all gone. I, I just <laughs> bold. I just hadn't seen it before. It struck by. I was like, whoa, okay. Yeah, he's there older now. It's it's he's embraced Look, it. He's now. older, and like a lot of those guys, especially like from you know Ukrainian sort of people, like those part of the world, like. Eastern Europe, yeah. like they, they they tend to lose a lot of hair, and he did, and he looks he, from a, he always saw from a distance. He wasn't getting a lot of close ups during during Francis's sure. match against uh, Thomas, mm-hmm. but uh, it was uh, it was uh, good to see. I yeah. I just like seeing Kudla in period. No, very well said. 
a couple of things. I call them the Colette Lewis generation because I was reading Colette Lewis most closely as she was covering the rise of Fritz, Paul, Opelka, Tiafo, Michael Moe, Ernesto Escobedo, Noah Rubin, Stefan Kozlov, that group of nine, Jerk Donaldson, who, by the way, has a class. I don't think he has a class, but my little brother also goes to the University of Pennsylvania. That right there is what we call a humble brag, as does Jared Donaldson, who's currently taking classes at Penn. And my little brother's like, I see him crossing their equivalent of the Diag all the time. And I'm like, do you go say hello? I was like, I know Jared a little bit. He'd say, oh, you're Gruskin's brother. He's like, not once have I done that, Alex. I was like, well, next time you see him, please go do that. The point is, yeah, there's some reporting for you, Ben, in case you didn't know what Jared Donaldson was up to. But that generation of players who, by the way, 96s through 98s, that's when they were all born. Again, going to do some University of Michigan math here for you. The youngest of that group turned 24 years old this year. And the 24, 25, 26 range in this era of ATP tennis, that's when you should be hitting your prime as a player. And certainly to your point, all the guys in that range, Fritz, Paul, Tiafo, they all started to, even Michael Moe, by the way, who got healthy at the end of the season and getting is getting back towards his top 100 form. All of those guys started to play their best tennis. Riley Opelka through the first two and a half months of the season when he won, I think it was Delray Beach. I think he won Houston, Houston as well. Yeah. Played pretty well, served extraordinarily well in Australia. There was a moment when he was holding serve 94, 95% of the time through his first two and a half months of play. I thought he was one of the best 10 players in the world through those first two and a half months before he sure. ultimately got injured. All of them, to your point, took meaningful strides forward. And you and I, I don't want to say we've gotten to arguments over this because that would be the wrong connotation, but you have always given me grief about my glass half full perspective about American men's tennis because you think I hold the bar too low of what qualifies as a successful yeah. season. I would celebrate, you know, Riley Opelko winning Knoxville, winning the Champagne Challenger titles and like putting himself <laughs> in a position at the end of the year or J.J. Wolf doing something like that, Tommy doing something like that. Well, now all those guys have traded in challenger success for tour-level success. It's just, it's just about, like, having worked, you know, for some of the places I've worked for and just done, like, other general media stuff and, you know, mm-hmm. different different mainstream sort of radio hits, whatever. I can I just have a – and I'm not blaming you for this, but I just have, like, a more cynical sure. understanding of what moves the needle, right, and what doesn't. And the so, one there, – there were two things ahead. that moved the needle for American men's tennis – in this, well, in this past before season. you get to those two, would you describe this as a needle-moving season? Because I think that in itself might qualify as a success. I so there were, when I say two, I really mean one and a half. There was okay. one <laughs> clear one, which was Francis, Francis making the semifinals sure. of the U.S. Open and beating Nadal en route. Like those were calling card sorts of things you can do that translate. Francis, I said this in the last show. I'll say it again. He is the 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 guy who's the golden bullet kind of guy for American sense because he's the one with the real star potential and and charisma and I'll be very right. interested to see one, one we thing did we're this see debate in, last in, time you're right yeah, now that you say yeah. <laughs> go we ahead did. but like but it was good so I mean but like but sure. one of the curious things I'm for me is is trying to find try, looking forward to seeing what they're going to do on Netflix with Taylor Fritz who's one of their main subjects uh, and I believe his Indy Wells run is going to be one of their main focuses. So if they, or it's going to be an episode at least. So if they have, um, if they do a job of making people care about Taylor Fritz, mm-hmm. that that could move the needle for Taylor Fritz. Taylor Fritz is not currently someone who's broken through to being like, you know, mainstream talked about person the way Tiafo has. Um, but even though the it's not, it's just not correlated to rankings. Even if Fritz is 
you know, has some better results on paper, arguably, although the slams are what matters and home slam matters and going five against the eventual champ in the semifinals of the U.S. Open with Michelle Obama watching. I mean, a lot of stuff was going for, for Francis. Um, and, you know, I'm sure, anyway, I'm sure they know that. And I'm sure there's a, hopefully a good sort of healthy rivalry between those two ATP Cup teammates as they talk about what happened to that match <laughs> against uh, Thomas. So, uh, you know, but that's what it's going to take, right? It's going to take something like that with a storyline and just someone who, who resonates. And it could be, you know, there's there's one person I see on, on my in my list who could who could become enter that stratosphere uh, this year and we'll we'll get to I'm guessing he's on your list too. Okay. Uh, we'll get there. But yeah, I, I just think, you know, it needs to be forward progress and that the twenty twenty two is a success. Yeah. I said it, I did not say about twenty twenty one. I did not say about twenty twenty one. I don't I don't think I don't care from a big picture perspective honestly about like 10 guys in the top 70 or whatever mm-hmm. like that to me is that's quantity over quality and i think it's a great testament to the usta and to federations for getting that kind of quantity right but in terms of actually being headline driving stuff the u.s men have not consistently been making that kind of noise so 2023 hopefully they can and maybe we'll start by winning this this uh, united cup which i already called atp cup at least once in this episode yeah well no it's part two so uh you have to no, i'm saying even in this episode i think i already <laughs> called it atp cup at least once fair um no to your point needle moving you're absolutely right even to the most superficial of tennis fans like you were there for the i had my college roommate who texted me during the tiafo match saying i have never seen a tennis player as jacked as francis tiafo is like this is what an athlete is supposed to look like and this is something i can get behind and like obviously sebi corda america loves dynasties and sebi corda the corda family is a dynasty right now whether it is the two sisters well we'll get into that you know what we'll get he's into not, he's not there yet he's not there yet no There's no, no. An easy storyline with him but, but it's, not there yet. i agree it's, it's low-hanging fruit, I'm saying, for like yeah, another yeah. layup to have. And the big thing for me is that it wasn't the debate of what can American tennis be. It was a discussion of what American tennis is. And it was a celebration of the fact that it felt like at every big event this year, you know, Nakashima almost beat Kyrgios at Wimbledon. Like yeah, just a yeah. little just a little storyline that everyone got to enjoy that Brandon Nakashima match because at that point, Kyrgios had already beaten Tsitsipas and everyone was locked in. And Brandon performed in that match. I thought he played really well for the first two and a half sets against Sinner at the U.S. Open as well. You had your challenger run with Ben Shelton not only winning NCAAs, but winning his last 15 matches of the season. That's another thing for people to get excited about. Obviously, Taylor Fritz making the semifinals of the ATP Tour Finals, beating, I think, Rafa on his way to those semifinals in the group play. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm correct on that yeah, one. In that, yeah, yeah, in that ATP group play match, and obviously Fritz beating Rafa in that Indian Wells final as as well, you're right. There were signature victories, multiple signature victories in multiple signature events for American men's tennis. 2022, an unequivocal success. Well, we can get into throughout the course of this exercise what constitutes success for each of these individuals and how that individual yeah. success may add up as a whole. So with that in mind, again, same formula. We'll start at 10, work our way to number one. We'll get to the honorable mentions at the end. I am a gracious host, so Ben Rothenberg. <laughs> Your number 10 American man to end 2023 is whom? It's the man who made me all my 2022 money. It sort of, not literally, uh, in this contest, uh, <laughs> yeah. who, who, who brought it home and who just gave me bragging rights throughout the year. Every time, every time Maxime Cressy did anything, I was texting Gruskin, be like, hey, look at this, this Cressy guy. is pretty good. If only someone had heard about him, huh? Because I had him at seven last year. Gruskin had him dejected, lying on the floor, crumpled up, discarded. And I and I looked at Maxime and said, "I believe in you," and I believe in him 
a little less this year, uh, but but still pretty good. Uh, I have a number ten. I I think it's a it's just such a tightly packed peloton of guys is really the thing with the American men. Right, there's not going to be a lot between honestly between ten and let's say five on this list. I don't I don't see meaningful separation. Crest is currently at number five in the rankings of the American men's ladder, so it's just a drop for him. But I think it's going to be kind of a sophomore slump year. I think people are going to kind of figure out how to play him a bit um, on the tour, which he had a lot of surprise factor going for him in 2022. Uh, and yeah, I think he's going to slide slightly, but still be in that general general mix. I have Cressy at number 10. I, I think he'll be about the same player. But yeah, I think a couple things broke his way this year. Maybe won't get catch quite all the breaks. Max Cressy played 29 main draw match first round matches last year. 29 first round main draw matches. That's, a lot, of, can you that's guess, a lot of matches. Can you guess what his record was in those 29 matches? 15 and 14. Very good guess. 13 and 16. He went okay. under 500 in first round matches. And for what it's worth, there was a moment where he lost 11 of 12 first round matches consecutively from the start of Dallas in February through the start of Hala in June. That's rough. He's it's he's, it's feast or fame with surfing volley guys. Yep. It's it, it's it's all or nothing a lot of times. And I will say, I actually watched his match uh, at Wimbledon with Ricky Diamond. We were there watching him lose to Jack Sock. And that was a brutal, that was a horrible match. Um, <laughs> honestly, just tough to watch. But um, uh, we just come back from watching a great match, which was Tiafo Bublik uh, that same day. Anyway, uh, yeah, I, I it's going to be, it's, it's going to run hot and cold. And he's, you know, he's going to maybe win Newport again or something like that. I have moments on be surface dependent. Maybe he'll be go and play a lot of like uh, clay uh, French indoors. Let's say sure. for example, if he finds out those going to play fast, whatever's going to play fast, maybe he's just scheduled that way. Um, but yeah, I, I still like him a lot, and, and he backs himself so hard. Mm-hmm. And he like to see that. No, it's a term we've adopted here at Cracked Records. He screams February October player. We're just like those indoor hard courts portions of the seasons. Maybe not the biggest you know, from a limelight perspective portion of the calendar where he could have a lot of success playing in those indoor hard court matches. You know, we talked about Opelka's success in Australia last year. For him to come through qualifying, make the finals in Melbourne, lose to Rafa, make the fourth round of the Australian Open, it actually did feel like, oh my God, is this guy one of the 20 best players in the world? And to his credit, 34 and 30, 16 first round losses. He ended 34 in the world. That's sensational. And yeah, it's really good. Look for Cressy again. You know, he finished fifth amongst American men in the rankings this year. Like, that is a remarkable so, season held, you know, uh, I think it was like 88.5% of the time. Or what is Maxine Cressy? 88.7, excuse me, top five number. That serve is elite. It's just make or break. And you know the surfaces where it's not going to work. The grass court is always going to be dangerous. Case in point, he beat Felix first run Wimbledon. Yeah. I do not have him on my list. I have him as an honorable mention. But, like, I see your argument. Look, I, that's what I was basically just waiting to see if he was on your list or not because you, you really yeah. buried the lead there. But, uh, yeah, I, you know, I I still wanted him on my list. He was so good to me in the 2022 list. <laughs> had, to, had to show him at least a little bit of love. There's no real reason. I mean, I'm just sort of anti- – this is all kind of guesswork, right? right? Like, there's no reason why he really? couldn't finish five This is again. guesswork? This isn't scientific? Yeah, you, know. you don't have a formula yeah. that you turn to? That's going to be a shock. Reddit's going to jump on you for that, Ben. My number 10 name, I'm going back to my roots here. I'm going with the recently engaged Michael Moe, who turns 25 years old at the start of January. Here's the big number for Michael Moe. He played 73 matches in 2022. Now, the majority, if not all of them, were at the challenger level. He played Houston here, a couple of main draws there. 
But this is the first season he eclipsed 40 total matches overall on the year since back in 2018. And for those listeners who are hardcore followers, 2018 was, of course, when he cracked the top 100 and was up to number 96 in the world. This is a guy who's dealt with a ton of different injuries throughout the course of his career. But when Michael Moe is healthy, there's no doubt about his level of play. There's no doubt about the physicality he brings match in, match out. The weapon that is his first serve. Just, again... I don't know if he's the fastest guy on the ATP tour, but he's on the short list from a movement perspective. And I think he's always a guy who had that neutral defensive skill set, but slowly but surely, you know, that IMG ball machine type mentality, slowly but surely he has developed more weapons. Slowly but surely, again, the serve, the forehand, his willingness to move forward, even if he's not the most natural volleyer, he's gotten a lot better at all of the little things. Now you look for him, doesn't have a ton of ATP points to defend, none at all, though does have a ton of challenger points as he made 10 different quarterfinals last year, nine of them at the challenger level. That said, 113 in the world. I do think he's going to qualify for the Australian Open. I think that could be the buttress he jumps off of from, you know, again, into the rest of this season. I think he gets into the top 100 uh, coming out of Australia. I think from there, just uh, whether it's Delray Beach, Houston, where we've seen him have success, all these, you know, maybe he goes down to Mexico or one of these February months, he has a decent run, makes a couple quarterfinals here or there. I just think this is the season where it clicks for Michael Moe, where he gets healthy, where we see him capitalize on the talent that has always been abundantly evident. I don't think he's going to be in your top 10, but is he at least an honorable mention for you? No, actually, uh, he's not. And I got to say, I haven't seen a ton of Michael Moe, and a couple of times I have, I have not been wildly impressed. I've just, that's just, just what it is. Fair. Uh, I, I'm wondering when, when I hear your pick. So like, this is the time to have this conversation. So when you say number 10, where's number 10 going to be in the ranking? That's a very, like, very good question. Because currently number 10 is 61. Yeah. I think that's and about so right. I, that, that sounds hot for me. For Mo, that sounds high. I, I don't know. I mean, he's been kind of around and it's never really come near that for a while. I think, I think something has to, like you said, click. Yeah. And there has to be a, a, a real gear shift to get Michael Moe for me into that kind of conversation. He's currently number 16 on the American ladder. I would imagine him staying roughly around that. I can see him getting top 100 at some point for sure. He's not sure. that far off that. But uh, I, I I have a, a bunch of guys ahead of him, bluntly. So Fair. he's not really no, on no, the no. list. And they're tough cuts for me. Like, again, yeah. I, I don't want to – spoiler alert, I don't have Riley on my list. This is the first year after a decade and a half almost I don't have Isner in my top 10. I don't have Cressy. I don't have, you know, the other Bruins, Mackie, Marcos. Those are all guys who are in my honorable mention. And I just do think Michael's game works a little bit better across surfaces. You just can't hide that physicality. I just, when he's healthy, this guy's a top 100. This guy's a top 30 athlete. And I just think that tennis now matches with the athleticism. I think he's a little, uh, I think he's a little bit more patient than he once was. That said, I also think he's a little bit more aggressive than he once was. And you mentioned it. This is a bet on things clicking for Michael Moe and him making a top 65 push for the first time in his Look, career. I, on, on pure, like just paper of buying low, like if you yeah. think Moe is undervalued at number 16 on the ladder at 113, like by all means, I'm just, I'm just saying I'm not making that pull it. And to get to the next picks i have isner at nine and Ooh. i'll even say now i have opelka at eight those are different conversations so you say you both don't have either of them isner um is currently number seven for the americans he came back earlier than expected i i texted him because uh, he i got a, a resultina alert that he had <laughs> won his first round match in bear c uh and i was like 
what? Like, you were done for the year. Like, I, I, had seen the, I guess I hadn't noticed him in the draw. I don't know if I even looked at the draw because I've been in kind of a book wormhole. And I was like, and he's like, yeah, I felt good. And I was like, hey, I'm like, Bursty, let's just hop on a plane and go. Like, I think he's got like a pretty like healthy attitude towards playing. I think that his, I think his floor is really high in terms of, in terms of Isner. I think if Isner plays anything near a, a real schedule, he'll be a top 50 player. And so for me, that gets him to number nine. And uh, I, I just, I think he's really bankable. Like he's slipping for sure. But I think that he, like I said, floor high. Like, and he had some highs last year. What he did um, at Wimbledon last year, beating Andy Murray in like, uh, and really Murray was in good form. That was a real deflating match for, for Britain and, and Wimbledon. But, but Isner stepped up and did that. And he's still a tough out. I think he's going to be in that kind of 30 to 50 range somewhere and or 30 55 maybe and and i yeah i saw so him at number nine i i think that he's and this could be his last year on tour for all we know also and that's one thing to calculate just cynically like if 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 he does retire like at the u.s open they doesn't get any points you know in the fall will that hurt his ranking down or who knows or even if he pulls himself out of the ranking well, so... asterisk we're gonna have to address that if that happens yeah. but um honestly <laughs> No, that someone removes himself from the rankings. We'll have to talk about that. No, that's but, exactly uh, it. That's why yeah. I have him low. I just don't see the match count being that high. I don't see him chasing events the way so many of these other young players. You don't are see going like a Dallas chasing. final and or an Atlanta final and or yeah. a Winston Salem final. I mean, like he's just no. First bank, of all, it's like, not points. the Atlanta Open. It's the John Isner Open. It's right, well established yeah. at this point. And look, for the every season of his career since two thousand. 10, he has held serve over 90% of the time, and he held serve 92.2% of the time. That's number two on the ATP Tour amongst top 50 players last season. That said, the slow descent in his break percentage, which has never been his calling card, 9.7% in 2019, 8.8% in 2020, 8.2% in 2021, 7.6% in 2022. That's, that's meaningful. That's meaningful. And, yeah. you know, but the thing is with Isner also, like, well, it's not really a thing, but one thing I'm going to say about Isner here is he's so much older than everyone else in this conversation. 37. Turns 38 37, in April. Turning 38 in April, there is – I don't think you have Kudla on your list. Maybe you do. But do Kudla isn't the only other person over 30. Or Stevie you know? J so, would be the other or Stevie one. Stevie J, yeah. There. But I, don't, I, I wouldn't personally pick him for my list. But maybe you did. I didn't think you did. No, um, but anyway, I did not. You know, but he's credit to him for hanging on this long. He's built a good career. Tall guys tend to have the big guys tend to have long careers. Like Ivo Karlovic had a real long career. Um, you know, is there? Yeah, I just I think roughly he holds his altitude, uh, and he can get to number number nine roughly. Like like I said, I'm not picking him to do huge things. Um, can we talk about Opelka? We want to get to your number nine. No, no, let's talk to Opelka because the reason I left him off is I just don't know how healthy he is. Like, that's, no, that's the my thing. I, I have a parentheses man... when I wrote this. Yeah, I said, okay. I really don't know what to do with Opelka. Amen. That's why he's but, my first honorable mention. This is actually the same thing that I had last year with Kennan, where Ooh. Kennan, who you famous, infamously put at number one, which everyone <laughs> agreed was disqualifying for the whole thing. Can't I got a lot of heat. Decis- for the, that was probably the only verdict. time in my life I felt like you because I woke up and I looked at my Twitter mentions. I was like, mean. I was like, that is mean. <laughs> but then I was like, deserved, but mean. And so yeah. you're right, infamous at this point. No, Carry but it's on. like it was one of those things like I don't know what – I haven't talked to his team honestly lately. I don't know what his prognosis is for coming back to the tour, Opelka. But if he comes back, let's say, just throwing out a, a random tournament here, if he comes back around Indy Wells, Miami, which I think is probably roughly about when it would be, from just complete blind guessing, no idea. Um, no reason he can't get, you know, 
into the top 60 again okay. and if he plays well like that's that's kind of what it is like so has a lot of put, points I, coming off his resume in january and I, february i put him i put him at eight just because i don't think he's gonna uh, try to get that much higher but he could still you know if you told me raleigh opelka wins you know makes a master's final in 2023 i believe you like sure like he could he could do it he's he's again these tall guys like they will just win a lot of matches even just as a base level they can't fall that far you're so right if, Look. if he's back yeah Riley's serve got significantly better to start 2022, and he's Isner with a backhand. Like, and we know what John Isner's been a top 50 guy for a decade and a half through the doldrums of American tennis, you know, American men's tennis. John Isner was always there, at least putting on some sort of superficial level of decency, I suppose, to hide the rest of the failures behind. And like again, he has been one of the guys for the past decade. He has earned the benefit of the doubt. Riley will earn that benefit of the doubt, perhaps, but like that would require the longevity we saw from John. John played 35, 40 plus. John actually played over 50 matches in every season from 2010 to 2019 where he played 48. Like, that is a remarkable run of health for a guy who's seven feet tall. This is one of the things that, first, I'm really glad what you said about Isner because as much as people people are down on American men's tennis, it would be so much bleaker if so John Isner had not been there statistically. John Isner has been papering over, mm-hmm. so papered over, Preach. maybe he's past tense now because because the other guys are moving up now, but papered over so many holes for so long and kept things above water, you know, with his seven feet, mm-hmm. like in a way that really didn't, American men didn't, didn't deserve, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like he was just that much of a of a, a facade of, of some success and the guy who would make it to fourth rounds of slams and would do things. And yeah, occasionally Quarry would come through. Jack Sock had a moment or two, but like, it was really, really uh, John Isner. And, and one of the things he said, you're right. One of the things he said to, he has said, I forget if he said this in an interview or where I heard him say this, he was talking about advice he's given Opelka. Mm-hmm. And he said, the main thing he would tell Opelka was to work on your fitness, to stay fit. Because like, you're going to have to, with that kind of body, you know, put in that kind of work. And I've, I've, don't know much about Opelka's injury enough to know if that was a, I don't think it was a hip injury. So I don't think it was that related to that necessarily, but you know, that's gonna be a challenge for Opelka. It's, it's hard to be durable when you're that size. I mean, you know, look at like extreme case, like Del Potro, who's a big lanky guy and had lots of joint issues over the years. So Opelka doesn't have it given, but yeah, just pure sort of assessment, uh, had to uh, put him somewhere, so I put him at eight. So we got to get your number nine, and then your number eight here. No, yeah, I was gonna say, oh, back to directing. It's good to see you still have that form. Yeah, Opelka Always. Isner, my first two honorable mentions. Cressy third, because again, non-negotiable serves. You're talking about three of the six best servers on the ATP tour: Berrettini, Kyrgios, fill in whoever you want as the sixth in any given moment. Um, yeah, like I get it. I get why they're on your list. Neither guy cracks mine. Number nine, I'm going with the man who is, to quote Robert Griffin the third, thicker than a snicker. GJ JJ Wolf. Like, I'm just betting on the butt. I'm betting on the forehand. I'm betting on the serve. I'm betting on the physicality, the weapons. We had JJ on our podcast to start December. If you want to hear about the click he made to end this season, what clicked for him, if you want to hear about, you know, again. All, all the different work he has put in, how he plans to maintain his body, because this is a guy who, according to himself, I got too big during the course of the pandemic. I lifted too many weights. My body was not where it should have been to be a full-time professional tennis player 
it was a learning experience for JJ. And now 24 years old, JJ enters the year number 66 overall in uh in the rankings. I think he was like 12 or 13. I'll let you look it up where he finished overall amongst American men as I'm talking here. But yeah, 12. He's 12. He was 12. Yeah. The big and... thing for me, he does not have a ton of points to defend through the first few months of the season. A lot of qualifying results, lots of challenger results. By the time we get to March, if he's a top 75 guy, he has all of the indoor hard court stretch in February to pad those stats, to make a push going into the sunshine swing, going into an uncomfortable clay court portion of the season. I think for J.J. Wolf, the goal is to be top 50 by the French Open because I think there's a lot of low-hanging fruit for him to have success from a points perspective. This was a tangent I meant to ask about Opelka as well. I wonder if Riley, if he's not getting into these events, will they offer him a wild card? Is he a big enough draw that Mm. a tournament would say, yes, we will give you one of our spots. We are happy to give you that wild card to let you into play. He may also be able to use a protected ranking given how long the, just depending on how long the injury sustains. But like, I'm betting on the weapons for Wolf. The serve, the forehand are top... The, the forehand's a top 20 weapon. Like, it is that successful, his ability to take it early on the rise. And I just think things have finally clicked for the former Ohio State standout. And I'm betting on Wolf to continue the progress. You know, he made the final Florence. He then, you know, plays, I thought, I, I just thought he played really well to end the season's home stretch. Third round U.S. Open destroyed Roberto Bautista Gut in what was a really fun first round match called by our dear friend Nick McCarville. I'm just in. I'm in on JJ. I have been from the get-go. He's a Crack Rackets favorite, of course. I think things continue to progress for him. And even if things steady out for him and he ends the year 48, 49, like that's going to be good enough for ninth on the list. So that's where he is for me. Thoughts? Yeah. Like when you put it that way, like ninth is not the big, a big elite from 12 exactly. uh, to where he is now. So that that's reasonable sounding. I'm not over you saying bet on the butt. That just threw me for an immediate <laughs> loop early in, early in that, in that, uh, good. Yes. Discussion monologue. Uh, so that, that was tremendous. And yeah, look, like there's a big gap currently in the rankings between him at 12 and the number 13 guy who's at number. So he's at 66. Next American Bloom is at 96. So he there's a big gap in this from the Peloton. The Delta the is, of the Peloton yeah, significant as it is right now. Uh, you know, yeah, I don't have him on my list, but he's he's steadily climbing. I don't think he has the biggest upside. Mm-hmm. Uh, of in terms of like players, like I would be surprised honestly if like JJ Wolf was seated as slam in the near future. Like I I don't know how much he can climb, but marginal gains for sure uh, could be in there for him. And and he's like I said, a hard worker and got uh, seems like a pretty good team around him for what I know. And yeah, I I'm interested to see if he becomes more of a a character. The question is, what I'm kind of curious about because this is how he phrased it in 2022. Was the mullet really holding him back? <laughs> Because he got rid of it and and he flew up the rankings. Well, are you ready for and this? And he said that he said he said he didn't want twenty twenty to be just the guy with the hair. Yeah. And he got rid of the hair and his ranking picked up notably. You want to hear all these things? Go listen to the cracked interviews we did with him at the beginning of December. Because I literally said to him, "Dude, you got thick." I was like, "You're a big boy," and like you clearly <laughs> lost some weight towards the end. And he goes. And he, he was literally like, thank you for noting. Like, you're right. I did. I did get too big. It's a really fun part of the conversation. I'm like, look, because him and I know each other now. You know, again, he's someone on the Rolodex of, much like you, humble bragging, I texted Isner earlier. If I text JJ Wolf, he will respond. And he's sure. a very kind, very kind man. Um, yeah, just like 
It's the hair. It's the body. He's a pro's pro, though. I'm very certain he's going to extract every ounce of talent out of his body. And again, he does have some natural weapons, even if he isn't the biggest guy. I'm just betting on the certainty that he's going to be the best version of himself in 2023. And again, the jump from 12 to 9, not that big. So that's why he's my number nine guy. I would say that's sort of a quick anti-name drop. Like, I actually don't know JJ very well at all. I'm not sure I've ever spoken to him. Need an intro? And, uh, sure. But he, uh, but just one of those things, this is something I just have to still have been also working on this book, so I haven't had full time in 2022 to play catch up. A bunch of these guys who made their movies during the pandemic, like, I just wasn't around. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and yeah. we didn't have the same access uh, to them at the tour level that we used to have. So guys like Wolf, like Nakashima, Brooksby, a little bit I've spent more time with. Uh, Cressy, See, that's my I, crew. I say a little bit more. That's like, my that's, crew. That's sure. That's Generation Gruskin to go. Yeah, with exactly. You, uh, that's the baton handing off, my friend. That's uh, as no, you I mean, said I, many I, moons if, ago. If, if, if I'm still writing about tenants, you know, and those guys, I'll, I'll hopefully have time to make that up. I'm just saying right now, like I don't as person, like I Isner, I spend a lot of time with, obviously, yeah, other people like that. Uh, even like, like Francis, I know really well because he's from DC. Sure. Like, there's people who I know it, but just. Uh, yeah, Wolf is not one of them. He's not, so. he, he's not on my list, but shout out to Marcos Giron. I've told this story before. At Cincinnati, I forget the ATP press guy's name. He was a little dubious of me and my first interview this year at Cincy. He was like, all right, just like keep it to three to five minutes because these players don't want to talk that long and whatever. He's giving me the whole spiel. I'm like, dude, I've been there before. I wasn't saying that, but I was like, okay, whatever. And it was the first interview was Marcos Giron, and Giron walks out right away and he goes, Gruskin, my man, what's up? It gives me a big hug. And when I say the ATP guy's face was like, whoa, wait, who are you? Like, okay, now, <laughs> now you are legitimized as a human in my eyes. Shout out to Marcos. Made my entire Cincinnati experience that much better. That's why That's he gets lovely. loved, although he is not in my top 10. Brooksby's my number I'll say, eight. I'll say, well, let me just say very quickly on, on, on Giron before you move to Brooksby. Uh, Giron was my number 10 last year, and he came through at number 10 for me, so I appreciate that for him. He's not on my list either. He's an honorable mention for me. Uh, mm-hmm. Solid guy. And I some will be somewhere top hundred. I just think maybe just no, narrowly misses out on top ten. We've hit this. He's by the way sneaky thirty years old. He's just like this is it. Yeah. He's a top seventy five guy. Like that's the ceiling. That's and he's working the, with your guy Carew right now. So that's yeah, good. Yeah, Carusel uh, out in L A. Had yeah, lunch with him, Carew, yeah. Bradley Klon, not that long ago. Shout out to that crew. It was a motley crew. Um, yeah. So Brooksby again. Kind enough. He's actually coming on the pod later this week, uh, so be on the lookout for that. Cracked Interviews podcast. This works. He's my number seven. Yeah. So beautiful. Why is he your seven? Well, because I had him higher last time, right? I had him <laughs> at – what did I have him at? Three or yeah, four last year? He already went through the sophomore slump, right? Isn't that the argument? It's like la- – so the first year was you're the hottest thing since sliced bread. You beat Novak Djokovic 6-1, and after that first set, all of us are thinking for three minutes like, oh, my God. Is Jensen Brooksby actually going to be the next big thing? And, like, with all due respect, he did come back to earth in 2022. And you look at the numbers overall, they weren't the kindest for Jensen. He finishes ultimately this season 27 and 23 overall first-round matches. He goes 12 and uh, 11 in his 23 first-round affairs. But, like... There was never an extended losing streak. Like, he never lost more than two first-round matches in a row until the end of the season when he lost three straight to Mackie, Draper, and Ugo Umber. But, like, whatever. It's the month of October. I think Jensen's just going to be really good. for is, is the best equivalent for him Madison Brangle 1.25? <laughs> he is kind of... Uh... A Brangle. I know who is it. The 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 girls on or the women on tour. The U.S. women. Katie Vallinets and him have the exact same coach. Sure, but they compare him to uh, um, uh, Kennan game wise. I forget who it was. It was someone. Was it 
mm, Brady or someone who was watching when Brooksy kind of made his breakout run in summer 2021, okay. like making runs at, U- at Washington, at least one of the, maybe it was Pagula, said, uh, this guy looks like the male Kennan, just game-wise. <laughs> like, he does play, like, actually like, a really WTA kind of style. And uh, I love watching him. A lot of people love watching him. Opelka, Dimension Opelka. Opelka is obsessed with Brooksby. Um, mm-hmm. Like, he, it's just fun watching him do his thing. And he had a lot of mojo early in the 20, 20- after missing Australia due to COVID uh, last year. So there's no points to defend there. He played really well. He beat Sitsipas in Indian Wells. Amazing match. Sitsipas was furious and so like disrespectful afterwards it was he was so salty it was beautiful uh he couldn't handle the brooksby brooksbyness of it all uh and then i think brooksby and i think i said this briefly on actually the the women's show we do we did a little bit of an overcap uh overview i think brooksby lost a lot of momentum after what happened in miami sure. i think that really derailed him and and just not, he lost his swag after this this weird thing in miami where he was one of the many guys who was you know, throwing around equipment and being dangerous on court, which is a real storyline in early 2022 in men's tennis. Uh, he did that. Uh, he got, uh, you know, he did this weird apology thing that was really poorly received. Um, he got dragged for that on social media. And I think that, I think, this, this is purely helicopter view, right? Sure. But I think you look at that, I think I look at that as an inflection point, as something that really kind of bursts his bubble a bit. And he's, you're going to have to rebuild the swag. And the swag was so immense for Brooksby. Brooksby is so swaggy out there in its own way. And I love that. I love, I love the flavor that Brooksby brings to the court. Uh, so that being said, like, yeah, I, I think that his game, he could still be a top five American kind of guy. Yeah. Um, the serve is obviously, you know, Brangle-esque, as you said. Uh, but he, he honestly, like compared to the relative tours, it probably is like that. Um, but he, his, the rest of his game is so, so solid and he can, he can compete really well and, and drive guys nuts. And yeah. I don't know what his ceiling is. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that he can be better than he was this year. This year he finished, I think, nine in the American ladder. Yeah. Uh, no, which is well below where we both had him. So this yeah. year, yeah, I have him at seven and you have him at eight. Makes sense. He's to death me. by a thousand paper cuts. He plays extraordinarily high level, high percentage tennis. We've talked about him. He's been on our podcast repeatedly. You know, super kind kid who I've had the opportunity to get to know pretty well. Here's the other thing. Doesn't it feel like 2022 went pretty poorly for him? Like, it felt like it was a bad year for Brooksby, and he still finished 27-23 overall, and he still finished 48 in the rankings. It's like, yeah. okay, if this was a bad season, like, I think you're going to be better in 2023. And if you're going to be better, you're probably going to stay in the top 50. And to me, if you're a top 50 guy, you're a top 8 American. And so, for me, he's number 8, and the only reason he's so low is because I think the next 7 guys are all going to finish inside the top 40 and have – Really, really good seasons. Look, the other thing with Brooksby is like he's unproven still as a player, but he's also on, obsessed it, it, with tennis. This is something no, I've got. I know I, about him. I, he I, will I, be I, the best version of himself. I like that. I like that yeah. a lot. But the off hard courts, he has not proven as as solid. Um, that's that's the thing he's going to work on because his results. When he went to Europe, he was not the same really. I mean, he had a good win over Goffin in uh, Rome. Actually, looking at his results here, that's a solid win and beat Kukushkin and Bonzi at Wimbledon. That's okay. Uh, but some matches will want back. Like, I made the final of Atlanta. I lost to Demonar there. Uh, but, you know, losing to... And she lost to Nishioka in Washington, which aged well because Nishioka made the final of that tournament. And he loses to Tommy Paul in Cincinnati. Paul had obviously a big year. Loses to Alcaraz, third round U.S. Open. Like, some different sliding doors things happen. Maybe Brooksby does finish the year top 40 or so. Uh, but, you know, I, 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 this would be a bounce back year for him. Even if it is only him just, you know, 
finishing 40. Like I, I just think it was a backslide. Let end of the year on four straight losses and he's at yeah. Ugo Umber at the end is, is deflating. Nishki, so he went, he's, he's been going to a lot of Sacramento Kings games from what I can tell. Okay. And they're really having a good year. Around. Yeah. So as it's Sacramento's time. A lot of a lot of basketball talk from you in this two part series, Ben Rothenberg. As I, I say, say Ben Rothenberg, life. NBA. Yeah. <laughs> All right, number seven on my list. I I don't think he's going to be on yours, but he's now working with Nicholas Monroe. He is also I have heard from multiple sources that this is the final push, that he is working to be in the best shape of his life to try and make one more final push towards the top twenty five, towards the top twenty. Number seven on my list is Jack Sock, who. I don't think I have to talk about his tennis. We know what his serve, his forehand, that explosive first step, the strength he brings match in, match out. You talk about that unexpected Wimbledon run. He ends the run for Cressy, and it's just in the mix there. I still believe in Jack Sock's game. And, like, is Jack Sock older than he once was? Uh, shocker to say this. Yes, folks, he is older than he once was. He turned 30 years old this September, which is one of those things you say out loud, and you're like, Ooh. no, he's not. Jack Sock's not 30 years old. But when I look at Jack Sock's season – a, didn't play that ma- – well, I guess he played 54 matches last year, which isn't an insignificant sum, but, like, a lot of challenger-level success. You look for him right now, he's 131 in the world. I think he gets into the top 100 by the start of the clay court season. I think once he's there, then it just becomes easier for him to continue to progress up the rankings. And, again, the question for Jack Sock has always been fitness, motivation. And every report I'm hearing – is that Jack Sock is ready to make that final push here in 2023. You agree? Disagree? Thoughts? So I consider Jack re- really for my top 10. I, I kind of saved my women's mat- list for being a little bit more... Th- you risque. Know, a couple of ha- couple sure. ha- risque is not the word, uh, but ha- <laughs> risky. Uh, Hail sure. Mary's... Uh, well, for the record, I meant risky. I just can't say risky normally. It's a reflex that developed okay. in college. Fair. We'll get to it another fair. time. Fair, fair, fair. Uh, yeah, like Jack, I mentioned that match he played against Cressy at Wimbledon, which he won. Um, he played Kubler in the third round of Wimbledon uh, in a winnable match that he did not win. Um, look, he, he's he's I think ten. I think seven's a little high. But I think top ten is is plausible, and I'm I'm glad to hear that he's dedicated because he has it wasn't for so long, and he was an incredibly frustrating person to cover and to be around. Honestly, a lot of times on tour, um, because there was so much hype around Jack Sock, like it was really. I mean, he he was IMG player, was you know junior slam champ, like just like a lot, a lot of big upping and a lot of ego, not just from him. I mean, from him certainly, but also from people around him acting like he's the, the biggest deal in the world uh i'm trying not to curse on this uh episode cause I know you're more than welcome more to because no but truth like be told super producer daniel westoff does not give a carry on Ooh, okay uh, <laughs> uh well well said uh no but like with with jack i you know i i think he's i'm glad he's doing that because he's just poised to end his career with a lot of what ifs and like mm-hmm. i i think that especially even just on the doubles front like I I get that he, you know, the doubles is, is looked down upon by singles players and it's seen as second class on tour. Uh, obviously, you know, recent Opelka comments and the recent stuff of the Davis Cup. I think, uh, you know, that's the feeling among the guys. It's not really a secret. It's not talked about out loud as much, but it's definitely the secret. Uh, but Jack could have been, you know, I think I would make the argument he's probably still, I don't know if still, because I haven't watched him play that much the last couple of years, but he was at some point the best doubles player in the world, uh, no doubt. Uh, and just didn't commit to that. And could he have won, you know, eight, 
10 slams and doubles if he had committed to it, probably. Um, so who knows? Anyway, that's a lot of talk for someone I didn't pick. But I, 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 I don't hate that pick. I really don't. I think that he has the upside. We've seen him do it before. I think like he hit some weird inside straights. Yeah. I don't think he ever deserved to be number eight in the world mm-hmm. uh, in, in that way. That's so he, Masters then, champion Jack Sock. Right. No. He, so he had, he had this. He won this incredibly broken draw in Bercy, beating Krajinovic in the final and Beneteau in the semis. It was a, it was incredibly it was weird. Stroke. And th- and then he backed it up actually by, by legitimately making the semis of the World Tour Finals in London, uh, going a couple matches around Robin. But still, it was all just kind of illusory. Then he really fell down to earth the next year and really did not commit that year. And anyway, so it's been a roller coaster ride for him. Um, definitely maturing he had he really could only go up in that category honestly and so i'm glad to hear he is maturing uh and and see what he can do i'm glad i'm glad he's making a push because he's had a lot of potential that has not been met that's my wild card pick here on this list that's a good pick at number seven all right i think our six names our top six might actually be the same because i think you're gonna yeah i think so too yeah so i feel pretty good who's your six uh you want to guess i think you can guess so my number six is ben shelton i think that's gonna be yours as well no Okay. No, my number six is my number six is Brandon Nakashima. Oh, okay, and, he's my five, but carry okay. on. Okay, so yeah, so, so I didn't have Nakashima on my list. He was a narrow miss for me last year, probably an honorable mention. Uh, he finished Who had eight. him at number eight last year, which is where he finished. You did. It was the oh, one okay. thing you Just... can cling to, yeah. <laughs> hey, I got two exactly right on the women's side, even if everything else looked poor, but carry on. Nakashima, again, I think I mentioned, he's one of these guys who's made a big rise uh, in the last couple of years, uh, has not done a lot of top-line things. Like he won San Diego, which was a nice hometown win for him, for sure. sure. That's meaningful. And a first um, title, which always matters. matters. It really does matter. Absolutely. Uh, the Wimbledon run was solid. Uh, he just I thought he played really sit- well against Sinner, too, and just the next-gen finals. Like, it matters to win an event like that from a confidence standpoint. Oh, yes. The next gen finals, right? That's, that's right. That's right. Yeah. I, that actually slipped my mind that he won the next gen finals. And that has augured really well for guys. Guys have, have, yeah. have taken that, that title. The semifinal bump, that, baby. Shout out to Young Chung. That does mean something. You know, I mean, look at Chung, look at Sitsipas, Sinner, uh, Sinner, Alcaraz. Sinner, Sinner arguably did the least with it. Yeah. And Sinner did pretty well. So, <laughs> you know, I, I, I think Nakashima is really solid. I think he's still. There's something. About his game, he has a little bit of almost what I would call. I put him a little bit in the same category as Felix Ojeda-Seem. Like there's obviously he's kind of a poor man's Felix results-wise so far, but there's that there's a little bit of like edge that I don't think is there yet. And technically, everything is really solid, really well-rounded player, good play. Like you just te- you know describe him as a good player, nice guy, all these sorts of things, like good hard worker. But just like that, that little X factor is something I'm looking to find still. I think with Nakashima, and I hope he uncovers it because I think he's, I think he's a real solid pro and yeah, easy number six. And maybe that that was a little bit conservative, maybe. No, but, I, um, I've said this stat numerous times, so I'm only going to repeat it quickly for you and for our listeners one more time. You look for him since the start of the French Open, 32 and 14 to end this season against opponents ranked outside the top 20, so opponents ranked 21 plus. Nakashima, 30 and nine down the season's home stretch against opponents ranked outside the top 50, 28 and 3. The big number, he held 87.4% of the time from the French Open onwards. That would be a top six number on the ATP Tour. And it's one of those things where I test wise, you think Brandon should be great at returning, not as good at holding serve. He's actually elite at holding serve and really needs to improve his return of serve. Where I think he gets a little bit too aggressive right now, but I also think he's trying to develop that aggression. And again, 
I just don't see any flaws in his game from a structural perspective. Forehand, backhand, I think he's a willing volleyer now. I think this is a guy who will continue to improve. And again, you look at him through the first few months of the season last year, just not have a ton of points to defend. Quarterfinal Sydney, no other quarterfinals on his resume until after the French Open. He's going to get into every ma every Masters event. He's going to get into all of the main draw things he wants to play. Again, played really well against Sinner in that U.S. Open third-round loss in four sets, but played him even through the first two sets. I think there's low-hanging fruit. I'm a believer in his game. I'm a believer in the growth trajectory from an age perspective. That's why he's number five on my list. I have Shelton six, and I do enough Ben Shelton rants for our listeners, so I'm not going to do it again. Uh, Let's save him when I, I'll get him later. So let's save him okay. when I get him. Yeah, okay. So he's number six on my list. Who's number five for you? Uh, I love the way Tumani says this guy's name. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to try to do a Tumani impression. He says it like he tries to sound American. He goes, Tommy Powell. Tommy Powell. <laughs> I can't. That's not quite how he says it, but he says something like that. Sure. So I have Tommy Powell. Okay. As my he, number five. He's number three on my list. Why is he five for you? I mean, he's he surpassed my expectations this year. I I think he's for me behind four good players. Sure. And I you, you have know, Shelton think he's gonna... above. To... I love you, Ben. That's a that's just okay. so good. That's so, so good. Carry on. So, uh, yeah, Tommy is 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 shooting himself to be very solid. Like. Mm -hmm. Somebody who had that sort of moment of, of dedicating to the sport, getting professional, trying to, you know, play with no regrets. And thankfully for him, he did that at a relatively young age. Um, and he's a tough competitor. I, I He's part of this group, you know. And, and one of the things I'm interested in is, is sort of the tension between uh, the group and the rest of the guys. And, and to see how that how that goes in American tennis. So that obviously with the Rajiv Ram thing. Um, Rampress? Saw, saw, saw it at it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go listen. Uh, saw that on uh, one of the other his match at the U.S. Open against one of my other guys left on this list. So anyway, I'll say I, I think Tommy's an interesting sort of member of the cast. I don't see him necessarily. His ranking is what right now? It's uh, 32. Sure, I, something like I that. I kind of think that's where he'll be around. Like I think he'll be in that range. I like top 20 would surprise me from Tommy. See, uh, I think he's the new RBA. He's the new PCB. That guy who's just going to be a staple of the top. 17 for that's the next hard. five to that's seven hard. years. That's a high bar. Like, okay, that's, but Tommy that's, that's is good. that sort of athlete. He doesn't have many holes in his game. He really wasn't that good until the start of the grass court season. From grass court season onward, he was exceptional. But there's a lot of low-hanging fruit, yeah. again, for him to pick up points-wise through the first six months. And I just think something finally clicked. I think the talent, the, the shot-making capability – Finally, the brain finally caught up to all of that athleticism, and the discipline was there, and the desire was there, and just Tommy's that sort of athlete. And like, again, we've had this argument before. From a handsomeness perspective, like it is from the bro perspective, the bros are ready to get behind Tommy Paul. Like Tommy Paul epitomizes bro culture, right? And I actually think he's one of the guys. I would say there's three. Were those, names were that those, could, were those separate thoughts? Did you yeah, pivot yeah. there? Okay, not no, no, the pros no, are no. behind him because he's handsome. No, he's no, handsome no, no, and new thought. The bros like him. Okay, I got you. And so okay. those things collectively, okay. correct, two separate thoughts, are why he's actually one of my three players who I think could take American men's tennis to stardom. I actually think Shelton would be the fourth. But, like, that combination of handsomeness, superficially, bro culture appeal, and then just skill set on the court, that ability to make the amazing happen. Like, Tommy's – that's why, to me, Tommy – is one of the guys who just has to be on the list of who can take American men's tennis to the next level. Um, 
I'm a believer in Tommy Paul. I just like he's number three on my list. I think he can do all the things. He was one of the twelve guys to rank top twenty-five in both hold and break percentage. A testament to the well-rounded skill set. I have him three. I see him continuing on the trajectory. I think he's going to be second half of 2022 Tommy Paul for the duration of the 2023 season. That's why he's three on my list, not down at five for you. That's it. He's five for you. Who's four for you? Well, I think we might have the same person at four. I'm guessing. Tiafo. No, 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 no. Okay, so oh, then Tiafo. we don't have... Ooh, okay. Yeah. Different looking lists here. I have, at number four, Sebastian Corda. Interesting. Who, who I picked number one last year, Okay. Uh, famously for myself. And he finished number four. I got to say, when I was looking at these rankings, I was surprised he was that high. So you have Shelton in your top three. Oh, I want all of our listeners who give me for being on the Shelton bandwagon. I don't have him in my top three. So at Ben Rothenberg, you know where to find him. Carry on. Look, you got to have a certain degree of Ben solidarity in the world. I love right? you. I love it. I love it. I love you. You know that. <laughs> so so Sebastian Corda is interesting. I was kind of alluding to him before. He's not in this clique of people. Mm-hmm. And he's a bit younger than them. He, beats to, the, he beats to his own drum, 100%. He's very much doing his own thing. He's got this whole sort of, obviously, Czech influence. His dad's Czech, you know, grew up in this kind of Czech tennis household. And he's American, obviously. I really enjoy him being around him. We talk a bunch of, like, NHL stuff. He's a big uh, NHL fan. Uh, you know, not really one team loyal guy so much, but obviously tight with a lot of the Czech and Slovak guys um, on tour. Uh, through that connection or on, in the league uh, through his connection there. Uh, anyway, I, I have him just at a safe pick. I have him ahead of Paul. Uh, he's one, only one step behind Paul in the rankings right now is 32 and 33 in the, in the ATP rankings right now. Um, I'm glad you have him higher. That's exciting for me. I was disappointed by him this year. That's basically what it is. Like I thought he could have been a top 20 hell, even top 10 kind of guy. Like, I really believed in him. And I, this is just me pumping the brakes a little bit. Uh, but I, part of me wishes I had to put him at number one again because I I do believe in his upside. I, I think four is still pretty high. And I, yeah, I just, uh, um, yeah, I, I, I like him. What can I say? Like, everyone knows about it. I don't feel like we have to explain this, who Sebastian Corda is to people. But, like, people should know him by now. And I think the upside is, is real. And, yeah, I'm just curious sort of how he, like, because he is doing his own thing, like, and I'm curious if that helps or hurts him. Like, he has his own sort of, he's not with one of the big agencies, he's with Patricio Ape, he's got his, you know, dad very involved in his career, he's got some other people working for him, like, he's he's doing, he's blazing his own trail, and it's kind of, and there's been some real bumps in this trail. Like, he's had a couple, like, setbacks that were just bad luck sometimes, like, he got sick at the U.S. Open, you know, uh in 2021 was it he had to retire from his first time match with, like a stomach illness that was a bummer for him um he's missed some time with a couple different issues yeah let, i know you want to talk about corda but uh go well ahead. no here's the thing sevi corda for me number one on my list yeah see i love i love that yeah i love because that. I, I, I feel like it's such a coward the best piece of reporting i did all season is the fact that in my interview with sevi corda in cincinnati what did he reveal to us, Ben? You don't know because you would have no chance listened to that interview. But what he said to all of us, which you can go here on the Cracked Interviews podcast feed, 2022 was the first year in his life Sebastian Corda started seriously lifting weights because he's had so many back injuries and so many different things that he's trying to prevent and trying to, again, preserve in the long term that this was the first year the growth plates uh, have closed, all these different things. Dad, mom, the entire team says it's time for you to get in the gym. 
and like the concept of him not in the gym yet and this is already what we see from him this is just pure oh natural birthday suit Sebi Corda like what's the next level look like for Sebastian Corda there is such clearly another jump and I say it all the time Djokovic Zverev Corda if I could have any backhand in the world it would go in that order I'd want Djokovic's then I'd want Zverev's then I'd want Sebi Corda's because there are times when Sebi Corda steps into a backhand and you're just like yep that's what it's supposed to look like. And I always say, you put together a two, three, four-week run of results, now you have my attention. Sepi Korda from post-US Open onward. Quarterfinal Mets, round of 16 Tel Aviv, where he loses to your boy, Mar- Maxime Cressy. Yep. Finals of Guillaume, loses to Andre Lublev. Finals of Antwerp, loses to FAA, but beats Hachinov, Nishioka, who was playing really well at the time, and Dominic Team on his way to that final. It just it started to click for Sebi Corda, who is 6'4", 6'5", the size, the profile you want in modern tennis. He has the weapons. He has the physicality. It's just like when the pieces click, this is a tier one talent. This is a top 10 guy. And again, you're making a bet on something click, but if my bet is on Sebi Corda to click this year, I feel pretty good about that. I do still think superficially of every American men's tennis player out there right now, maybe Ben, Ben might be, I'm not quite there yet with Ben, who by the way is number six on my list, and we'll get to him, I know when he comes up with you, but because I've just never, I am the foremost scholar in Ben Shelton tennis, Ask, okay. it's it's just a fact, like everyone knows it, Ben freaking knows it, uh, the anecdote I always say, I walked in to go watch the Champagne Challenger, the very first thing I see is a close call on Ben's near side baseline where I am sitting, and what does Ben do, he turns to me and go, Alex, was that in, I go, sorry buddy, it did clip the back of the line, he goes, oh my bad for questioning, like immediately, that's how you know the relationship is solid, right, um, and like, the thing is, I've never seen him play a clay court match. And obviously, this Australia trip, his first trip out of the country in his life, I just want to see him do it for a year. We've seen Sebi do it for two and a half years. It's just like, can he stay healthy? Can he do it for 40 weeks straight? My bet is the answer in 2023. I think you were a year too early last year. I think this is the year that it happens. I, I started to, I alluded to this in my description of him. He missed Wimbledon this year yeah. after making the fourth round last year. So, like, he just has had some bad luck since mm-hmm. out of the top 50 after missing Wimbledon. Um, I, yeah, like, I, I, I really actually really liked him at number one. Um, I like you going with the way I did last year. It's just for me, I have a, I have, I just think that the two people, well, I, I, can I talk about my list? Yeah, I'll, people, everyone knows who I have left, right? Like, yeah, I think it's hard so to put him it's, above it's Fritz, Fritz, it's Tiafo, it's Shelton. Those are the three yeah. people left on each of our lists who we haven't said where they are. Oh, no, you, you have Shelton. You have Shelton at. at oh, at I said six. Shelton at six. I suppose. Did yeah. I? Who did I not say where I have yet? Tommy. I said is at three. I haven't told you where Fritz and Tiafo are, so I only have. You two told me where Tiafo. You told me where Tiafo is actually. Oh, Tiafo's he's at number. At, he's he's at number four, four for me. Yes, which yeah. I guess we'll get to in a second. But carry on. Okay, so we're kind of – sorry, I'm just – No, no, leave it all in, there. though, Super Producer Daniel Westoff. Yes, we're getting confused because now the names overlap. Just to establish, we're at number five right now. Again, Shelton was my six. Nakashima was Ben's six. Nakashima was my five. Tommy Paul was Ben's five. Ben went with Sepi Korda, number four. I went with Francis Tiafo number four. Now we get towards the top three for Ben's list. I'll get to Tiafo when you bring him up. Who's your number three? My number three – is uh, a guy who, as you just said, 
Uh, just got to use his passport for the first time. 15 straight wins to end the season. I am very high slash drunk on Ben Shelton. Welcome. I am. Uh, I saw him in Cincinnati. You know, went to one or two of his press conferences there. Saw him beat Casper uh, Rude close up. Um, he is just like super, super talented and still raw in a good way. Like everything is a little bit still unrefined in this way that like just the upside is there and seeing what he did mentally to reel off three straight challengers. That's tough. That is really tough to do. And he did it and he just seems to have a good head on his shoulders and below the head is also good too. Just his build is, is just seeing him walk around. He looks more like honestly like a, like a wide receiver than an ATP player. He's just like, a, it, he's like yeah. a different kind of like physical specimen than we usually see mm-hmm. on the tour. And I was just super, super impressed with him. I've listened to, uh, not your podcast, I've listened to him with Mike Cation recently. Um, and uh, yes, noted uh, middle finger there. And <laughs> I, yeah, I, um, I've listened to your podcast, obviously plenty too, but the one I'm more specific remember was with him with, uh, with uh, Mike. And him. he's just like, a, he's like a very, just like, Nicest Sweet kid, kid in the world. Nicest nice, kid nice, the world. nice guy, which I know doesn't win you matches, but like I just have like a lot of sort of faith in him, and I know there's a lot of hype too. Like he is with Team Eight now. Um, that's been not super discussed, but he is with Team Eight. That's getting getting the Federer, you know, blessing. Not that Team Eight honestly is the Rolls Royce of management companies. It's not really, but it shows that they 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 take big swings. They're not trying to get a big roster of people. They're trying to get people who, for the most part, who they think have a big upside. Um, and yeah, I just I that's a big a lot of faith for me to put him at number three, obviously, when he's currently uh you know, like I said, never left the US before. Um, but like just the raw weapons, like I, what I see, I think he's this is gonna be a year where he's not gonna be on a sophomore slump yet, right? He's gonna people aren't gonna know who he is and he'll be able to catch them off guard. And I see him kind of having potentially like what Alcaraz did in twenty twenty one. Yeah, you know, sure. like I think he can. I think that's the kind of upside he has this year. I think he can, you know, make a slam quarter, can get some big wins, can just wow people with his physicality. And I'm just very high on him. And yeah, I have him at three. Could have gone higher, but it felt reckless. Like I'm, but yeah, just very much all in on him. And I think yeah. that he will be. Uh, he's the he's the guy I think with the best shot of of winning a slam of the American men right now. To quote a player who I spoke with who faced him frequently in college, when he makes the slight serve out wide on the ad side, you're because you just there's nothing you can do. He's either going to hit a big forehand winner into the open court, he's going to hit a big forehand winner behind you, or it's a pop up volley that he's putting away with ease, or he just hit an ace. And like, like we just don't have like big strong lefties are not really a thing in men's tennis right now. Outside of Nadal, also but not even that big. And again, like, if you go listen to the interview we did with him, and again, foremost scholar, all things Ben Shelton, like. For him, it's not about speeding up. It's about slowing down. It's about like, okay, yes, you can do all of these things, but you got to pick your spots a little bit wiser. You got to know when to rely on the physicality, when to rely on the weapons. What's the right ball? The tennis isn't the problem. It's learning how to construct the points properly. And like, again, if that's the bet you're making, I like that bet. He has zero, zero points to defend until the start of June. It's all free game for Ben Shelton. For these next five months, even if he only wins seven matches, it's seven ATP-level free matches. And to your point, teammate, I feel like he's going to get some wild cards if needed into some big events to play them. Uh, they're not really the wild card people. They don't own tournaments. But anyway. but you don't think he'd get an Indian Wells wild card? 
Well, I think he well, was just on the basis of being such a. I mean, he already that's what has I'm saying, the, the pedigree. He's the guy. By being, exactly. By being, by being NCAA champ and being a young. Are we about to go Nepo kid again? Are we doing it again, Nepo baby? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if Ben Shelton's a Nepo baby. I mean, like he. Brian. No, I'm kidding. I, I'm I kidding know his dad for played, but like I think, but he's yeah. doing different things than his dad did, and, and you know, I, I, I just really, really, you know, everyone who knows him says such great things about him. People don't usually brag about knowing him the way you do, so that's a certain brand of it's my guy. It's just okay. my guy. Look, I, my my dad went to Florida, so I'm a little bit in the tank for him for that too. He's in <laughs> Ben. I mean, like, what's not to like? Your dad like, went to Florida. You know, yeah, for a couple years. This is see, we learn something new about each other every day. Also, yeah. you know what's really stupid? This is so dumb. I didn't put the oh yeah, he's also named Ben in like the factor of the equation, which I should have, knowing you. Um, well, that's cause... why you liked Zvera for so long, right? Sadly, no. I was a believer in his tennis game. Devastating. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. Nevertheless, for so long, his we're not doing. Still there. Yeah, we're not doing that again. We're not is doing it? another Zvira. We're not doing the Zvira rehash for the thirty seventh time because I stand by the ten majors comment I made on your podcast. You can go listen to it. I stand by the comment. Now, I never said he was going to win ten majors. I said of all the guys out there, isn't he the one who you watch him? And there are fifteen. We're not doing this again. Um. Anyways, you have Shelton at three. I have Tommy at three. I think you went Fritz one, Tiafo two. I did. Okay. Because I actually, I actually just, I actually just think there's, they're actually pretty stratified right now. Like they're kind okay. of, they both have a bunch of margin, rankings wise, between each other. So Fritz is uh, number nine right now at three hundred thirty three hundred points basically, and Francis is number uh, nineteen at two thousand points. Right. So it takes something pretty sizable for them to switch places. Uh, Francis also has a pretty big lead over Tommy Paul, who's currently number three. Um, you know, I I just think it's kind of that's kind of their spots. And and Fritz is is a is a strange quantity of a player because he gets hurt constantly. He goes like back and forth. I think people don't, and he also doesn't like. This is kind of a detriment of or a, a deficit in U.S. tennis reporting. But like Fritz was like in a walking boot at times this year. He like kept going back and forth. Guy had knee surgery like fifteen months ago. Like, well, not even that. That got that kind of attention, right? When he came back to Wimbledon right away. Like, his weird injury management thing is basically what I'm saying with Fritz. So, you know, playing Indian Wells final, obviously, like, hurt, and that's – we'll get mythologized on Netflix, I'm sure. Um, I think he's an interesting guy to have at number one in the U.S. And he's an interesting kind of alpha to have on the, on the sport. Um, and he backs himself for sure. And he's, in his own way, kind of steady. But that, that loss to Brandon Holt was really bad. Um I get, no disrespect to Brandon, but like if you're the number one American, you can't be losing that match at the U.S. Open. No way. Um, first round, not you can't do it. So, and he knows it. He was devastated from that match. So, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what Fritz does. I do think the Netflix thing will be a real part of his story, and seeing if that does change his profile, if it does make him actually like a breakout star. Will uh, people in the sport are rooting for the Netflix series to succeed? It's a it's a major 2023 storyline. How much re- traction or not that gets in the marketplace. Um, yeah, uh, so Francis is my number one and, and Tiafoe's number two. Just, and I think they both could tick upwards slightly. Like, I think Francis can be a top 15 player this year. Uh, I, I really liked what he did against Thomas in the ATP Cup. Just, you know, showing some... Because it's, it's a different kind of match, right? Where he's now a top 20 guy who's going to be seen as a real scout for people. It's going to be a different sort of, uh, of season for Francis that way. To have a bit more yeah. of a target on his back. So, anyway, yeah, Francis, Francis two, Fritz one. Um... You, you dropped Fritz. I'm curious why you have Fritz at, down at number three. So I have Fritz at four. Two. Two. No, two. two. Okay. I have Tiafo at four is the big thing. Okay. And it's like, right. look, 
I Francis's forehand. Wait, you Tommy at Tommy at three. Tommy, Tommy at three. Because I just uh. I think Tommy's game. I think they're both elite of the elite athletes. I would put them on the short list of the best athletes on the ATP tour. Francis's forehand is still Francis's forehand, and while I think yes. he can be a top twenty-five guy repeatedly against elite of elite competition, I just think that forehand will be an issue. And for as for Fritz, like again, he peaked in a lot of ways in twenty twenty-two, and we've had this conversation earlier in the month, so I don't have to rehash it all again for our listeners. I just wonder how much is there left. Like I guess for Taylor, no one's ever going to accuse him of being an elite of the elite athletes. Now, from a tennis perspective, I'm not sure there's five guys on the ATP tour who hit a better ball, forehand, backhand, serve than Taylor Fritz. But the movement, there will always be a ceiling for him athletically. I think if you are an elite power player, that will always give Taylor Fritz troubles. I also just think, again, no one will ever accuse Taylor Fritz of being good at volleying. That's not something that he will ever be accused of. And he has gotten so much better at it. But you can always tell. He just doesn't have hands naturally at the net. And with how big he hits the ball, the moment he learns how to volley well, he's going to be a top five guy because he just has so many opportunities for himself. But again, I have him number two because I think Court is going to have an elite season, not because I'm selling my stock on yeah. Fritz. It's because I'm buying on Corda. I think Fritz is still going to finish the year top 15, which is a really good season. It's just, can he win an Indian Wells? Can he get to multiple second weeks of majors again? Is he going to get to another ATP Tour Finals semifinals? I'm not quite sure he's going to replicate that success. I think both Taylor and – or I think Francis holds. Like, I think he's going to be top 25 guy again. I even think he's going to push towards the top 20. I think he will have moments where he looks like an elite of the elite player. He's gotten a lot better in first-round matches. I think he was something like 18-7 and seven throughout the course of this yeah. year. Like, the consistency is there for both of these guys. I think all four, Corda, Fritz, Paul, Tiafo, are all top 25 players to end the year. And it's just, again, throw a dartboard. Who's going to finish where? I think Corda has the transcendent season. I think Taylor holds strong in the top 15. I think Tommy makes another push towards that top 20. I think Francis holds steady. So that's how I come up with my top four. It's it's totally totally reasonable. All of that. Do you think? Do you think that like Corda makes it to Turin? That's what you you're know, talking about. You're putting him I, in that lead. I think he finishes nine. Nine. Okay. Alternate. Alternate. Okay. Yeah, I think he's first alternate. So yes, I do think he makes it there because there's no way in hell Rafa plays Turin. I just I don't see it. In oh, so year, you think Rafa's gonna finish top ten? In, yeah, in I, no, I think Rafa finishes top eight, but he doesn't play Turin. Interesting. The real guy I'm fascinated about is like, what the. F- do we do with Andre Rublev? Like, all these years later, I still don't know. Like, I made a joke a couple months ago that his destiny is just to finish one and two at ATP Tour Finals for the rest of his career and, like, be that guy in the group play. But at the same time, it's like, it's really going to be hard to get there. There's just not a ton of results wise. I mean, results-wise, he's, you know, purely like a, a Burdich Ferrer kind of guy at this point. Like, he's very much in that, in that hovering range that they were in, that sort of five through eight range pretty firmly. Um, and still, yeah, I would like to see, to go off the Americans a bit, I would like to see Rublev make it to a slam semi, and that's overdue. Uh, that would be great. I, I, yeah, I'm not sure about Rafa. Rafa's, I'm kind of selling Rafa right now at the current price. Okay. Um, but, not a bad uh, choice. Because he's, he's turning 36 this year, you know, he's, or 37, yeah. uh, right? Next year? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's tough to know. I, yeah, not sure. Not sure about this, Fair. guys. But, well, uh, then- with all but that yeah, said, I, I, I like just... I like the I like the court of faith. 
Yeah, um, and I like the list, by the way. We only disagree, I think, on two names. You have – or no, three names. You have Opelka, Isner, Cressy. I have Sock, Wolf, and Moe. Other than that, again, I think we're going to hit all 10 American men again as we look back at the 2023 season. With if that it's said – If it's someone we don't have – Honorable say, mentions. We, this is well, where the names we, we don't have. The names we don't have um, – and not this time, I'm mention. I'm looking at the list. We don't have neither of us have Mackie, who's currently yeah. 11, yeah. on on the list. Um, Marcos. Neither we don't have Marcos, who's number 10. We don't um, have Eubanks, who's going to play who's, Australia. Who's 17. The Kozlov uh, fade. We don't have for both we don't have Johnson. We don't have Kudla. We don't have yeah. Kaz. So I mean, we oh actually, so my one of my what about the Svida ban? Zach Svida or Ethan so, Quinn? Svida. Are you are you on the Quinn bandwagon yet? I gotta say, I know almost nothing about Quinn. Um, but I, him I know a little bit more about, but I, I'm not picking him just yet. I wanted to give an honorable mention to Emilio Nava. Ooh. Um, I think he actually Another has an outside name. shot at being being like a number ten kind of guy. Weapons um, has serious. Marcos Marcos uh, was my honorable mention. My third honorable mention, third and final was someone I don't think we mentioned yet is uh, Kovacevic. Sure, Kova. So my guy. who uh, who's uh, 19 currently, but had had a really strong second half of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, that run in what was it, Seoul or Tokyo? Seoul. Yeah, it was Seoul. incredible. And his um, forehand's just money. Also, I wanted to say I wanted to mention I'm pretty sure I've never seen this guy actually play. I, I, I wanted to look him up. I found him once before and was like, who is this? But uh, Nicholas, I'm just looking at the rankings. Nicholas Moreno de Alboron. Yeah, um, I don't. He see is he? No, no, no. I'm not saying he's gonna be in the mix. I'm just saying he's a guy who's an American, 25 year old, uh, 23rd on the American ladder, who I've never seen play a match. And he's based in Spain from light research. Like he just plays a not very American schedule. Um, he played a couple green court, cha- uh, green clay challengers, a couple maybe last year or something like that. Um, but just sort, of, I'm sort of fascinated in this mix of like familiar names that there's this guy who I just like don't know. Who's there uh, at two fifteen currently? He be, so he should be in Australia qualities actually if he makes that trip. Um, yeah. Anyway, I'm just sort of I'm just sort of fascinated. There is this guy who I just don't know, which is kind of fun. Um, there, uh, I looked him up. I think I watched him. I, I had I, I first saw his name maybe like a year ago, and I was like I don't know who this is, and watched like a YouTube highlights of him beating Verdasco <laughs> at a challenge or something like that. Yeah. I'm thinking of the same person. So yeah. uh, anyway, yeah, Svida is somebody who I you know is maybe a good 2024 futures pick. Um, yeah, I'm Too looking at this, this list. Yeah. It's fair. Anyway. I like it. Well, with all of that said, again, those are your top 10 American predictions for 2023. Shout out to Ben Rothenberg. Two and a half hours. He tolerated my nonsense. That's why I only ask him to come on the show once a year. With all of that said, again, if you want to hear our top 10 Americans uh, on the women's side, scroll down on your feed. A shout out, as always, to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the of an job he does day in day out making all of this content possible shout out as well to our friends at tennis point tennis-point.com promo code is cr15 with all of that said i think he still remembers so let's get to it for the fantastic ben rothenberg who by the way anything you need to plug before i let you go no all right no challenges remaining not yet you know yeah you know where you can find him there's a book on the horizon be ready folks there's a non-zero percent chance that he's going to let me write either the forward or just be like a little blurb on the cover. So be on the lookout for that. The forward will end up being 100 pages, so it's a nice little addition uh, to the start of your book. But with all of that said, for the fantastic Ben Rothenberg, our super producer, Danny Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point from all this year at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Benny, what do we tell our listeners? That's the break. There it is. And we will see you all next time. Thank you, my dear friend.